0: Most Christians know that when Jesus went to the cross, he died for their sins, and that's true. However, he didn't just die for our sins, he died for sinners, he died for you. Coming up, we explore the depths of what Christ did for you and me, as foretold seven centuries before his crucifixion, next on Daily in Christ. Welcome once again to the Daily in Christ podcast, I'm Mark Van Oos. Galatians Galatians 3, verses 13 and 14 have some powerful words of truth. Listen to this. Christ has redeemed us from the curse of the law, having become a curse for us. For it is written, Cursed is everyone who hangs on a tree, that the blessing of Abraham might come upon the Gentiles in Christ Jesus, that we might receive the promise of the Spirit through faith. Galatians chapter 3, verses 13 and 14. It can be rather hard for us to believe and even conceive that we would receive a benefit, a blessing, because someone else was cursed. But that's exactly what the Bible says, that our Lord Jesus Christ, who is both Son of God and Son of Man, his, the curse that he took, that he didn't deserve, that I deserve, that you deserve, because of our sin and our transgression against God, because he took that curse, we are blessed. I recently had a great privilege of preaching at my home church on Palm Sunday. And so for this Daily in Christ episode and the one next week, I'd like you to hear that message. Listen prayerfully as we unfold from the Word of God the great truths as to why Jesus went to the cross, how He took that curse so that you and I could be blessed. The title of my message today is, He was crushed that you would be blessed. He was crushed that you would be blessed. How many of you brought your Bibles here this morning? Raise your hand up. I don't care if your Bible is an old-fashioned Bible like that, or if your Bible is a new thing like this, or if you come pulling in old Dead Sea Scrolls, whatever. Just don't make any noise. This is a message, as every message every Sunday, it's very important to have the Bible, to look at it for yourself. But don't go to the Bible with your own human understanding. Sandy said something that was so true. I mean, think about that Palm Sunday 2,000 years ago. That crowd, I mean, hundreds of thousands, I guess a million people or more were there. And when Jesus was coming in, the King of Kings, they were shouting, Hosanna! Hosanna, which means save. And, and they weren't faking it because they knew that a king was coming and they knew that that king would somehow deliver them, but they disconnected because they thought the king would only be to deliver them from the clutches of Caesar and Rome. And they didn't know how personal that saving would be. I said they didn't know how personal That saving would be. And you know, it's real easy for us to kind of look back and go, what idiots, didn't they get it? But we miss it too. You know, I don't have a very big brain compared to God. And so I need His help. And while we were worshiping, He reminded me of a little thing. And uh, He's so good. He's my father. And we just have a great relationship because of Him. And uh, he reminded me that about six months ago, I said, Lord, I would really like to preach on Isaiah 53 at TLTC on the Sunday before Good Friday. Totally forgot about it. And Tuesday night, Chet and I were getting together and Chet said to me, he said, Mark, would you like to preach communion Sunday next Sunday? And man, I didn't get it. I didn't realize that it was like Easter week, you know. (laughs) And that, like, Good Friday was coming until yesterday. Uh, Sandy, Chet, and I are texting about the message, and she mentioned something about Palm Sunday. And I was like, Palm Sunday? But I'd already been immersed in Isaiah 53, and, and uh, God was like, yeah, it's Palm Sunday. And today he reminded me of what I asked him if he could do. And so by his grace, it's no mistake that you're here and no mistake that I'm here. Amen. As inadequate as I feel, God is our adequacy. So let's pray and let's pray expectantly because it's just like going into a dark room where there's treasures all over the place. But you can't see the treasures because there's no light. But God says, in your light we see light. Let's pray. Father, thank you that you love us so much. And Father, I pray that you would turn the light on, that we would see You, that we would see Jesus, that You would even take us back to the reality of what happened 2,000 years ago when our Savior, my Savior, took all that He did for me and for every person in this room. And Father, I pray if there is a person here who has not received Christ, who is not born again. My fervent prayer, Father, is that You would continue to draw them and Lord, that they would believe. And I thank You for it in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son that whoever would believe on Him would not perish, but have everlasting life. Romans 5, verse 8, For God demonstrates His love in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Ephesians 2, verse 3, Who were by nature, we were by nature children of wrath just as the others. Verse 4, but God, who is rich in mercy, because of His great love with which He loved us, even when we were dead in trespasses and sins, made us alive together with Christ. By grace, you have been saved. I want you to turn to Isaiah chapter 52. Isaiah chapter 52, that's where we're going to start. Verse 13. Isaiah 52, verse 13. And you'll recall that Isaiah was a prophet in a very dark time. The people of God had failed God, had abandoned God for centuries. And the judgment that God had foretold was coming. But God wasn't only foretelling judgment that was temporary. He was foretelling of saving through His Son, the Lord Jesus Christ. And I was uh, preparing for this message. And, of course, there's things the Lord has... You know, people say, how long does it take to prepare a message? This one's been about 30 years. 30 years of knowing Him. Of saying, Lord, I want to know You better. Yeah, amen. 30 years. And uh, I-, I was preparing the message, and, and then I hit yesterday, and I, I just had a block. I, I I said, Father, I don't know what's going on, and, you know, and I took authority against the enemy, and I said, Dear Father, please, I, this, this obstruction, whatever it is, has got to go. And he drew my attention to these three verses in Isaiah 52. You know, the chapter divisions in your Bible, the chapters and verses were not written in when the Bible was written. It, it, came years later. And I'm glad for them. But sometimes they're ill-placed because I believe that Isaiah 53 should start with Isaiah 52, verse 13. Let's read it. Behold, My servant shall deal prudently. He shall be exalted and extolled and be very high. Just as many were astonished at you, so his visage was marred more than any man, and his form more than the sons of men. So shall he sprinkle many nations. Kings shall shut their mouths at him. For what had not been told them, they shall see. And what they had not heard, they shall consider. I want you to notice the horror of what happened to your Savior. All due respect to Mel Gibson and the passion of the Christ, it didn't even scratch the surface. Today, through the power of the Word of God and through the anointing of the Holy Spirit, and I'm glad that little children are out of the room, I want to tell you what he bore. And I want to unfold these verses for you. It says in verse 14, just as many as were astonished at you, so his visage was marred more than any man and his form, more than the sons of men. You've got to understand the Hebrew that's here. And the Amplified Version, if you have the Amplified Version, you'll see this, but let me read the Amplified Version because it comes as close to the horror that the Hebrew, which is a very visceral language, brings. For as many... For many, the servant of God became an object of horror. Many were astonished at him. His face and his whole appearance were marred. And now I've got to slip out of the Amplified right to the guts of the Hebrew. It means literally a terrible disfigurement or distortion of a person's appearance more than any man's, and his form beyond that of the sons of men, but just as many as were astonished at him. Now let's stop right there. How did he become an object of horror? The verses that follow tell us all about this. Jesus Christ willingly bore your sin my sins. He willingly bore our curse. He willingly bore our sicknesses. He willingly bore our diseases. Now, I want you to think of everything ugly about sin in the world or maybe in your own life. I want you to think of everything ugly of a curse that would be going down from generation to generation and ruining families and ruining nations and ruining towns and locales. I want you to think of the worst sickness that could ever hit the human body. I want you to think of the worst disease that could ever eat up and destroy and deform the body. When I was a kid... I found my way into an old family cabinet. There was an old musty box. I don't know what I was thinking. I've always loved books. There were old books in there. And so I got into my mother's old medical books. And uh, this is back in the 50s. And there were pictures of the deformity of disease on human beings. With all due respect, they looked like Monsters. The disease of leprosy in Jesus' day wasn't just a disease of the skin. It was an eating disease. Cancer itself is a consuming, eating, grotesque, sickening death that happens to the body. Jesus Christ, in His own body, took that. All of it. There is no disease that He didn't bear in his body. There is no sickness that he didn't bear in his own body. There is no curse. I don't care what the family curse is. I don't care what the curse is on a nation, on a state, on a locale that he didn't bear it. He took it. There is not one sin, no matter how little or how great. And that precious, that precious body, As it says in Romans chapter 8, was made like unto sin. All of that fell on Him. Can you imagine how before them on the cross He became this deformed figure that was an object of horror? No movie can begin to depict the horror of what befell the Lord Jesus Christ. And Jesus willingly took it. The Father handed it to Him. The Son willingly took it. He took your sin. He took your curse. He took your sickness. He took your disease. He took your infirmity. He took every problem of the mind and the body and the soul. He willingly bore it. He carried it. He took it. That precious body was crushed. And then it says in verse 15, so shall He sprinkle many nations. I, I You know, I have this relationship with God where I ask a lot of questions. I figure that's a good thing because He's really smart and... I don't always get the answer, but somehow or another he comes at the right time to show me the right thing. You know what I'm talking about. I said, Lord, sprinkle. And so I studied again the Hebrew language a little bit, and it was sprinkle and startle. And I said, how can that be? So then I looked closer at the Hebrew word, and what it means is a sprinkling as of spurting blood. And my mind went back to a, to a sunny day in Dallas, Texas, back in November 1963. A young president with a beautiful wife, Jackie Onassis Kennedy, were there in Dallas. And we know the story. Jackie Kennedy had this beautiful pink outfit on. She stood out in the crowd no matter where she went. And, and it was a beautiful pink Outfit, And we know what happened there in Dealey Plaza. We know what happened as the President of the United States was shot. And his head exploded in blood and brains. It went all over the inside of that limousine. And in the day ahead, in this blinding sorrow and horror that was in the mind of Jackie Kennedy... She refused to take off that pink dress, blood spattered. And when someone said to her, please, Jackie, please, this is not fitting for a first lady to look like this. She said, no, I want the world to see what my husband's murderer did to him. And the blood startled That's what it means in this verse right here. Back in the Old Testament day, the high priest would take a huge amount of blood. There were so many animals that were slaughtered. And he would sprinkle the people and everything, blood everywhere. Blood everywhere. The Bible says the soul that sins shall die. And the Bible says there in verse 15, the second part of verse 15, kings shall shut their mouths at him for what had not been told them they shall see and what they had not heard they shall consider. Kings shall shut their mouths. We're in a season of a lot of mouthing around. I've never in my 55 years ever seen, all due respect, I don't want to get political, I have never seen so much mouth, useless mouths. But before kings, they shut their mouths at the king of kings. They shut their mouths. Listen to the reason. For what had been told them, not been told them, they will see. Maybe we need to shut our mouth and consider what the Lord would show us with all due respect. And I'm not a quiet person, so I can pick on me. And what they had not heard, they shall consider. So consider... Why did Jesus suffer such unspeakable horrors? Now go to Isaiah 53, just a few verses forward. Isaiah 53. And I'm going to just touch this quickly and not long. We're going to start in um, verse 3. He is despised and rejected by men, a man of sorrows and acquainted with grief. And we hid, as it were, our faces from him. He was despised, and we did not esteem him. Surely he has borne our griefs and carried our sorrows. Yet we esteemed him stricken, smitten by God, and afflicted. But he was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our uh, our iniquities. The chastisement for our peace was upon him, and by his stripes we are healed. All we, like sheep, have gone astray. We have turned every one to his own way, and the Lord has laid upon him the iniquity of us all. I just want those words just to soak in a moment. I don't want to move too quickly. Just allow the Word and the Spirit of God to minister that to your heart right now. Why did Jesus go through that horror? It says in verse 3, He is despised and rejected by men despised have you ever been despised I think all of us have gone through that experience not just not liked but despised they can't stand you even the sight of you makes them sick that was what Jesus faced he was rejected anybody face rejection he was rejected And he was rejected by people who were waiting centuries and centuries and centuries for Messiah to come. In John 1.11 it says, He came to his own, and his own received him not. His own were the Jewish people, the chosen people, the the people that God had made a covenant with their forefather Abraham, and made promises of blessing. They rejected him.
1: Why did he go through
0: this? Why did Jesus go through this rejection and despising? Because we who deserve that from a holy God would never face rejection. He was rejected so that you and I could be accepted. He was despised so that you and I could be beloved. That's why he took it. It says, next in verse 3, a man of sorrows and acquainted with grief. See, he knows sorrow firsthand. He knows loss. He knows a broken heart firsthand. He knows grief so well that He's acquainted with it. It wasn't just something that hit His life every once in a while. It visited Him constantly. Imagine the matchless King of glory who deserves nothing but praise and honor day and night. You go to the Revelation and it says, Worthy is the Lamb. Hallelujah! The Lord God omnipotent reigns. And to come to this place that was so dark, that was so sin-ridden, that was so thoughtless that was so dark and dank. He grieved his heart. Not because he was nitpicking and saying, well, they did that wrong and they did that wrong. No. What he was seeing was how humanity, the crown jewel of God's creation, was foul and needed a Savior. And most of the world didn't get it. I mean, even his own disciples didn't get it. You know there's times he's opening up his heart and he's saying, "Hey, I, I need to share this with you." And 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 he's talking about the yeast of the Pharisees and they and they're thinking yeast, bread, okay, bread. Do we have enough bread? And they missed it. Just like me and you, we can miss it. And we hid as it were our faces from him. The face turned away is a face of rejection. It's a face that says, I'm not going your way. I'm rejecting you. That's what he took. And do you notice, it says then, he was despised and we did not esteem him. Uh, Twice in one verse, the word despised comes out. Just to make the point. He was that despised so that you could be that beloved. That's why He took it. Verse 4, Surely He has borne our griefs and carried our sorrows. And again, I go to the Hebrew here to get a little clearer understanding. Griefs actually refers to bodily ailments, to sicknesses, infirmities, weaknesses, diseases. And then when it talks about so it basically griefs in this context with this Hebrew word means pains of the body. And then sorrows, the Hebrew means pains of the mind and the emotions. Whatever kind of emotional or mental storm you're going through, conflict, difficulty, he took it. He took the sorrows. And whatever is going on in your body, he took it. He, you notice it says he has borne that means he carried it he took the load he took it yours willingly Thank you, Lord. and look at verse 4 the second part yet we esteemed him stricken smitten by God and afflicted we get it wrong well I don't know what happened with him I guess he must have done something wrong it was a sin. You know, it is remarkable how the people on one end of Easter week are praising him and lauding this King, and and just five days later they're wanting him crucified. Man, if I was God, I would want to drop kick them through the goalposts of life, <laughs> but I'm not God. He's good. He's merciful. He's loving. He's compassionate. So what was the real reason that he was stricken and smitten by God and afflicted? He was wounded, verse 5, for our transgressions. And a transgression means a crossing of the line of the holiness and the goodness and the righteousness of God. It's crossing the line. It's like trespassing. Jesus was wounded for our transgressions. Think of the many wounds that he took. Horns upon the head, lashing upon the back, spikes driven into both hands and both feet, a, a spear thrust through his chest, through his heart. Why was he wounded? He was wounded for every time you and I have crossed the line of God's holiness, God's love, God's righteousness, God's goodness. That's why he was wounded. And then it says, he was bruised for our iniquities. The the Hebrew word for bruised means crushed. He was crushed for our iniquities. What is iniquity? Iniquity is the condition of sin in the human life. Not just sinning. But the condition of sin, the disease of sin, the moral sickness of sin, that creates all of the monstrosities of the wrong we see in the world today. Whether it would be a despotic Hitler who's killing people, or it's us doing wrong. The iniquity is that condition of sin of the sinner. Jesus was crushed. Under the full dimensions of iniquity, the sin, the cursing, the sickness, the infirmity, the disease, all of it a crushing, crushing load. And then it says the chastisement for our peace was upon him. Chastisement is punishment. And what did you get out of his punishment? You got peace. You know, that reminds me of what it says over in 1 John chapter 4. It says that perfect love casts out fear. Fear and love are polar opposites. And it goes on to say there in 1 John chapter 4, I believe verse 18, it says, for fear has to do with punishment. The literal Greek means tormenting punishment. Ultimately, the fear in your life is this. It's a fear you're going to get it. You're going to be punished. Fear in my life is an unresolved fear matter of of my thinking that somehow or another I deserve I deserve to get it. That's what that is. And Jesus took the chastisement. You see, punishment was necessary. Wrong was done. The injustice was 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 done for God to forgive without settling justice, would make him the biggest lawbreaker in the universe. Let me say that again. If God were to take your sins and say, okay, well, you know, I understand these things happen, let's just sweep it under the carpet and and say, I forgive you. I mean, if a secular judge did that, we would be furious. Why would the King of Kings, why would we think he would do that? He doesn't. Wrong has been done. The wrong has to be made right. Justice is taken by him. The punishment that was rightfully due me, he took. What's the result? Peace. And, and not this cheapy piece that we think of. It's the rich Hebrew word, shalom. It means it is well. Everything is going well. My, my, my past is taken care of. My present is good and my future is awesome. Shalom. He was chastised in punishment for my shalom, for my peace. Well, unfortunately, time is run out for today's Daily in Christ episode. We're pausing this recording of a recent message that I preached at my home church called, he was crushed that you would be blessed. Now, next week on Daily in Christ, don't miss the important second part and conclusion of this very important message. Now, as it turned out, this message preached on Palm Sunday was also communion Sunday at our church. And at the end of the message that you'll hear next week, during that time of communion, I drew important connections between the truths preached in this message and our celebration of communion today. Don't miss it. We live in dark times. The world is in great confusion and turmoil. We don't have to go far to hear news of war, turmoil, and distress throughout the world. The Bible has foretold of such times as the end of the age draws near the time of Christ's return. A sister in the Lord asked me recently what I thought about end times. I told her that while good Christians may disagree about the particulars of eschatology, that's the study of end times, there are two things that are absolutely certain. First, Jesus is coming again very soon. And second, he has left us our marching orders The Great Commission, as recorded in Matthew chapter 28, when he said, All authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all things that I have commanded you. And lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the age." You know, that great commission is my personal passion. And the ministry of Daily in Christ reaches the world through the clear audio Bible teachings in this podcast, as well as written resources at our ministry website, dailyinchrist.org. Now, if you have been blessed by this ministry, please do us a favor and write us. Our contact information is at our website, dailyinchrist.org. Secondly, let your friends and family know about the rich teaching resources to bless their Christian walk, right here at dailyinchrist.org. Let's pray. Dear Father, our hearts are overwhelmed at the great depth of your love. And Lord, I do reflect on the wonderful, gracious words of John 3.16, for God so loved the world. And I'm so glad, Lord, that that says the world, because that includes little old me, that he gave his only begotten son, that whoever would believe on him would not perish, but have everlasting life. Right now, Father, I pray for the listening friend that has taken the time to listen to this recording, to listen to this podcast. And Father, if they do not have a personal relationship with you, if they are not born again, Father, minister this word in a deep way. Reveal Christ through your word in their life experience by the Holy Spirit. I thank you so much for doing that, Father. And Father, in the lives of all of us, may we continue to get a clearer view and understanding of the Lord Jesus Christ. Father, the depths of your great love, your great compassion. Lord, how you spared no cost, even the cost of your precious son, that we would be brought in, redeemed, made your children, set free and blessed. And Lord, blessed to be a blessing as well. You have such a wonderful plan, dear Father, and we thank you for your great love. In Jesus' name, amen. Remember, next week, part two of He Was Crushed, that you would be blessed, right here on Daily in Christ.